Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. I think it was about this time of year, several years ago, I heard about a church and they had had a a particularly rough summer and, you know, if you've been around church for a while, you know, there's the summer slump, attendance is down, giving is down and you're trying to get ready for the fall and nobody wants to do anything and it's just just a downtime. So this preacher, he kind of, you know, just... One Sunday, he was like, okay, I know we've taken the offering, but we're going to take another offering. And so that's what we're going to do right now. But no. Uh, but anyway, this guy said, okay, here's the deal. We need to catch up. You know, we got light bills to pay, gas bills to pay, water bills to pay, and me to pay, you know, the whole thing. And he said, so we're going to take an offering. And, you know, just want you to give, but whoever gives the most gets to pick out three hymns. And uh, so they passed the plates, and, you know, then he preached the sermon, and afterwards the guys came up and they said, you know what, Mrs. Fredericks gave the most. She put in a 1000 bucks. And the preacher's like, a 1000 bucks? Whoa, this is Mrs. Fredericks. She's been a widow for years, and Mrs. Fredericks, you know, Nobody thought she had that kind of money to, you know, make it an above and beyond gift. And, and so they call up Mrs. Fredericks and, and thank her so much for this generous gift. And he said, well, you know, you heard what I said. You can pick out three hymns. And she goes, well, I know that's, that's kind of why I did. And he goes, well, well, which ones? And she goes, well, I'll take him and I'll take him <laughs> and I'll take him. Okay. Hey, my brother-in-law told me that joke, and I said, thank you. That will be the introduction for the sermon. Uh, Hey, guess what we're speaking on today? We're talking about giving. Now, we are, we're kind of doing a series of sermons last week, today, and next week, and we're just kind of talking about this new normal that we're in. You know, the pandemic changed everything. Life today in 2023 is far different than how it was in 2019. I mean, the pandemic brought about a lot of great things, you know? I mean, a lot of cool things in business and in just life and, and all that stuff, but at the same time, it brought about some things that aren't so good. And really, the smart businesses, what they're doing is they're starting to make tweaks because it's like, we don't want to be this way for the next 20 years we're going to get back. And I told about how, like, our, our son-in-law, you know, he's been remote for like three years. But now Google is saying, no, you're going to be in the office at least two days a week, and you can be remote the rest of the time because there's just something about it. That was just one of the tweaks that these big corporations are making because the new normal isn't so, isn't just a panacea. Some things need to change, and they want to get them changed back or to whatever it should be. So we're kind of doing that uh, with us as a church, just asking ourselves, okay, 
you know, it, is, it really is time to get back to business. And, you know, and this is a great time for us to do it because so many things start in the fall. You know, September 1 is like the start of many, many things. You know, you kind of have your summer schedule, but then you get, have your school year schedule. And, and so a lot of things. So it's a good time for us to sit and think about it. Well, the new normal, you know, for church, a lot of it's really good. But there's a few things in, in it that aren't so good. You know, the new normal for church, across the board, we miss more, we give less, and we serve more haphazardly. And last week, we talked about that service thing. In fact, we had a little uh, survey or a, a form in the bulletin. And if you didn't fill that out, I'd really encourage you to fill it out. We'd love for you to fill that out and tell us, here's where I could serve. Here's how I'd like to serve. So, because we really believe that everyone ought to be serving in a strategic way, in a way where God has gifted you. Well, you know what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the fact that we, generally speaking, give less. Compared to 2019, people give less today than they did four years ago. And you might sit and look and say, well, I, no, I, I think actually I'm giving more. Well, that's good. But across the board, generally speaking, we give less. Almost every church in America, their giving has been dramatically impacted. And that's really kind of interesting to sit and think about because one of the things that really happened during the pandemic is everyone started to give online. Well, online giving is pretty good because, you know, it's a computer that's remembering to take that money out of your account every month. Truth of the matter is, that's true. Online giving is up, but across the board, generally, even the online giving is down. And so this morning, we're going to talk just about giving. Now, I've asked you to turn to Mark chapter 11. This is Tuesday before Jesus gets crucified on Friday. And it's the last time that Jesus went to the temple. And Jesus basically spent the morning at the temple in big discussions with the religious leaders. The religious leaders asked him a question, and Jesus said, well, I'll answer that if you'll answer one of my questions. Who do you think John the Baptist is? And the religious leaders sat and thought about it, and they, you know, after a little while, they said, we don't know. You know, and I'm sure the, 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 the regular customers were saying, you guys don't know? I mean, he's the most significant religious figure to come along in 50 years, and you guys don't know who he is? I mean, you don't even have a guess? What are we paying you for? You know, they asked him a question about some lady that had seven husbands. Whose, husband is she, whose wife is she going to be up in heaven? And they were like, well, we're not really sure about that one either. They asked him all kinds of questions. And interestingly, if we were to track our way through Mark chapter 11 and Mark chapter 12, we'd find out that basically the religious leaders, the powers that be, were just totally corrupt. And in many ways, they were heretical. And it's like this was just like, revealing how bankrupt the religious system was that was governing the, the Jewish nation at that time. 
I mean, it had to be so disheartening to any true follower of God, particularly Jesus, if you will. I mean, I mean, just to sit and listen. You guys are the preachers. You guys are the seminary professors. You're the religious leaders, the spiritual leaders. You're the ones that are supposed to be the shepherds of God's people, and you guys are bankrupt spiritually. Well, interestingly, Jesus was out there in what they called the court of the Gentiles. Now, the temple complex, the, the, the outer area was where Gentiles and Jews could come. But if you wanted to get a little bit closer into the temple, you would go into what they called the court of the women. And that's where women and men who were devout Jews could go. And then if you went even further in, then you just get into where the men could be, men only. And uh, so Jesus moved from the court of the Gentiles, that's where he was having all these big discussions, moved into the court of the Gentile, of, of women, and you know what occurred in the court of the women? That's where people would give their free will offerings. Say, now wait a minute, what? Free will offering, what is that? I thought in the Old Testament, before the cross, everything was required giving. And that's true, it was. But they also had the option to give a free will offering. Let me put it up here on the screen. In the Old Testament, and really I should have said, before the cross, when they were under the, the Mosaic law, the law that Moses implemented that's in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, before the cross, when you were still under, you know, the Ten Commandments and all the other 600 rules and regulations that went with it, they were required to give 10%. In reality, if you sat and did the math, it actually added up to a lot more than 10%. But, I mean, you sold corn, you were supposed to give a tenth of it to the, to the temple. You sold uh, lambs, you were supposed to give a tenth of it to the temple and and to God. And so they were supposed to tithe. The word tithe means 10%. It didn't count, by the way, you know, all the lambs that you had to kill every time you sinned and you had to go to the temple and offer a sacrifice because you said something, thought something, did something that was sinful. That was above and beyond. Your, your, your money didn't cover that. That was a sacrifice to cover, atone for your sins. You were just supposed to give 10%. But then you had the option, the opportunity to give a little bit more. There were these passages of Scripture, and they're, they're sprinkled through Exodus, they're sprinkled through the Leviticus, that as God moves your heart, you might give more. And so there in the temple complex, in the court of women, where both devout Jewish men and devout Jewish women could go, there were these big receptacles, and uh, you could go and put some additional offering in there. So what Jesus does is after he has these discussions with all these religious leaders that prove just how heretical they were, how off-base they were, how spiritually dead they were, he moves over and he just kind of situates himself so that he's looking over there and he's watching people put money in the receptacles. 
And like I said, this isn't the required 10%. This is people giving the above and beyond money. Now, before we look at the passage, I want to just kind of slip in just a little bit more information, just so you know. That's what it was. That was the system before the cross in the Old Testament. Here's what the system is today. In the New Testament, or since the cross, because Jesus abolished the Mosaic Code, it's all free free will giving. The 10% that is expected, as well as the rest. You say, well, wait a minute. What what do you mean by that? Uh, Yeah, it's all free will giving. You know, at the doors this morning, Bill and Monica Smith were our designated greeters. And so hopefully maybe when you came in, they stuck out their hand and shook your hand, might even give you a side hug, said something nice. Maybe someone else did that for you. But you know what? Every one of you got in without a ticket. Nobody had to pay to get here. You know, on Easter and Christmas and Thanksgiving, when people say, oh, I got to go to church and fellowship's close, or I used to go to fellowship, or fellowship might be a place I want to go, we let all those people in free too. In fact, I only know of one church in town, and it's a cult, that actually has a required membership fee. That if you don't give that much money, you don't get to do certain things in the church. Shoot, we'll let you do anything in this church, and you don't ever have to put any money in the baskets. Almost every church in town is like that. It's all free will. Has anyone ever paid required money to go to church? I see no hands. That's what I'm talking about. It's all required. Now, does that mean, oh, shoot, then I can get by with 15 bucks a week. Uh, Try talking to Abraham or David or these other people about the 10%. No, all throughout human history, 10% has kind of been the, the standard that God has imposed on people. But does he require it? Yes, but no, because nobody's coming along and saying, <clears throat> you know, uh, we did the math, and that's, uh, that adds up to like 9.8, and we need an extra 50 bucks. Nobody's doing that. That's between you and God. Now, if you sit and think about it, that is a much, much higher standard. I mean, used to be I could say to my kids, I want you home at 10 o'clock. And I could just look at the clock. And when they came in at 10.05, they were in violation. When they came in at 9.59, they were covered. But as they grew up and as they got older and, you know, they were kind of young adults or old teenagers, I'd just say, just get home. Get home at a decent time. And it was on them what a decent time was. It's a much higher standard to figure out how do I please the Father. That's what free will giving is. And here's what's really kind of cool about it. Jesus was up there on the temple talking to all those heretics. He moves over to the court of women and he starts watching how they gave the free will offering 
And in a way, what we're going to do today, when we start looking at this passage, we're going to see Jesus' lesson on how free will giving ought to be done. Because that's the free will giving they did, which was just a small portion of their giving. All of our giving, the 10%, as well as the above and beyond, is all free will giving. And so Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44, which is the story of the widow putting in her two mites, it's basically a lesson on how you should give and how I should give our free will gift to God, whether it's the first percent we give or whether it's something we give that's far beyond what that required amount is. Look at your Bible. If you're not there, Mark 12, verse 41, down to 44. Now, he sat down opposite the treasury, that he is Jesus. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. So he's moved into the court of women. There's these big receptacles where people had lined up and they'd walk by and they'd put their coins into it. No paper money back then. They just had these coins. And he began observing how the multitude were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums Now, I'm sure you've probably heard this passage taught or preached, or maybe you've just figured it out for yourself. But, I mean, what Jesus is pointing out and and observing is how these people were coming and giving, and many of them were just making a big show of it. These these receptacles were made of, of a certain kind of metal, and so when you drop some coins in there, they'd make that tinkle sound. And, you know, you drop 50 coins in there, it's like Las Vegas and the slot machine just hit the thing. It's like, you know, they're hearing it. And, and you could see these people, and Jesus, because he's God, he knew their status. He knew they were wealthy, but probably anyone looking at him could see the robes they were wearing, the clothes they were wearing, the shoes, the sandals they were wearing. Maybe they had some kind of head covering that, that helped to point it out. He could tell that, that guy's got chips. That guy's rich. That person over there, kind of medium size, and this guy over here is, you know, just poor. But this guy's rich. And Jesus was paying attention to how these rich folks were dropping their coins into these receptacles. And again, this isn't required. This is all free will. But you can see that what was really going on is these people were giving... But they weren't just giving because, oh, God had really moved to their heart. They'd had a great week. They wanted to give just a little bit more to God or, or I just love giving a little bit extra to God. They were given for the show, for the recognition. They knew that as they continued to walk around the temple, people would see them and they'd be whispering, that's a guy over there that gave, you know. And they'd point it out. And so that's kind of what Mark is implying by all of that stuff. Jesus is sitting down and he's watching these people. Look at verse 42. And a poor widow. And I find it interesting that Mark puts the adjective poor because pretty much every widow was poor. So to be a poor widow means you weren't just 
poor, you were like really super poor. This was a widow that was really destitute. See, you know, this is before life insurance. This is before Social Security. This is before trust funds or any kind of thing. I mean, the, the, the poorest people, the most vulnerable people in that society, in any society of that era, were widows. Particularly a widow whose maybe their husband died early. And so here I've got 15, 20 years to figure out how am I going to make anything. Because, you know, they didn't work. They didn't have a career. They didn't have a business. You know, very few of them had a business. I mean, and so this is a woman who is a poor widow. And, you know, Jesus doesn't go into a lot of detail on it, but I think we can use some creative imagination to sit and figure out how in the world would this lady have sustained herself? Well, you would like to think that maybe she, you know, was lucky and had a couple sons that helped out or a couple sons-in-laws that helped out, but evidently she didn't. Maybe she didn't have any kids, or maybe she had some kids, but they were, you know, deadbeats, and they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. This was a poor widow, and, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe the way she made her money was, you know, by making something and selling it. Maybe she made bread. So maybe every day she, she scraped enough stuff together, enough of the ingredients, and she'd make a few loaves of bread, and she had some regular customers, and she'd sell the bread, and they'd give her the money, and in exchange, and she'd take that money and she'd use it to buy whatever else she needed and usually maybe have enough that left over to buy the ingredients for tomorrow's loaf of bread. But this lady, I mean, her margin was so close, there was no getting ahead. I mean, it's like she, there was just enough margin in her sales that she had enough to buy the ingredients, make some more, sell it tomorrow, and hardly anything was left over. There was just no getting ahead for her. She was a poor widow, totally vulnerable. But look at verse 42, and a poor widow. And again, remember, I mean, there's all these rich folks who are coming along and giving, and they're just giving out of the surplus of their life because they've just got so much. And it's like, I'm at the temple. I want to be seen. I want people to know me. I want people to notice me. I want them to hear what I give. And here comes this small little widow. And she put in two small copper coins. I think the King James calls them mites. Two widows' mites. But you know what? Actually, they were what are called leptas. A lepta was the smallest coin in value. And it actually took two to make a cent. Now, sometimes you may have heard this preached. Hopefully, I'm not the one that did preach it this way because it's actually inaccurate. That you had to put in at least a cent into the free will offering. We don't think that's true anymore. I mean, she could have kept one of the leptas. But she didn't. She had two left over, and that day when she walked by, she dumped them all in, both of them. They amounted to a cent, and she gave it. 
And look at verse 20, 43. Jesus is sitting there. He's been watching. And who knows how long he's been watching. Maybe just a few minutes. But long enough to see the show and then see this woman. And I kind of get the impression that Jesus saw it coming. And because he's God, he, he knew what was going to happen. So before he gets there, he calls Peter, James, John, Matthew, Bartholomew. Hey, you guys, get over here. Get over here. Get, up, get, get over here right now. Now look over there. I want see that. See that? No, not the rich person. The, the, the little lady between the two rich people. Watch her. Watch her. Why? Because what she's going to do is she's going to give you a lesson on how giving is supposed to be from now on. Because guess what? When I die on Friday, they didn't even know he's going to die on Friday, but when I die on Friday, I'm going to bring an end to the Mosaic Code. That required 10%, now it's not going to be required. Still supposed to give it, but you've got a more mature relationship with God. Now it's a grace-based relationship. I'm going to give you more than you deserve, and I expect you to give as I move in your heart and reciprocate. And you need to know how to do that. You're not going to sit there and grit your teeth as you write that check or, or text 84321. I want you to give like that lady gives. Now watch her, Peter. Watch her, John. Watch her, Bartholomew. Watch her, Nathaniel. Calling his disciples, verse 43, and calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus. And he could have gone on and said, and totally for show. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned. All she had to live on. I mean, you know what? When she took her hand and flipped it over and both coins fell into that jar, she didn't have anything left. And it's like, where am I going to buy flour, sugar, butter, and everything to make tomorrow's loaves? She didn't know. But you know what? Scripture makes it really clear. I'll bet God provided for her. Maybe someone came along and gave her a gift. Maybe she found something on the ground. Maybe she discovered something she could sell. Somehow God provided her, but she didn't even bother to keep back those two leptas. She was just going to trust God to provide. That's the story. So like I always like to do, I like to ask the question, okay, what are we supposed to get out of this thing? Let me just give it to you in, in four statements. You might want to write these down. Here's the first one. Sometimes God calls us to give more than that 10%. That's the kind of the expectation. Now, let me just say this. God expects us to at least give 10%. I mean, uh, 
Truth of the matter, if you're a follower, devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to be given 10%. Uh, All throughout Scripture, 600 years before Moses came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments and the other 600 laws, 600 years before that, Abraham was given 10% to Melchizedek. When Jacob had a, a real spiritual experience and he was thanking God and making commitments to God. He said, God, from now on, I am going to give you a 10% of everything. I promise you. I mean, that's just the standard. You know, what does God expect his children to give? What does he want them to give? What has he set the pattern to give? It's 10%. So, so first and foremost, that's what you ought to be giving. That's what I ought to be giving. Every one of us in this room ought to be giving. And, you know, the question is, okay, well, is that gross or net? And, uh, you know, it's like one of uh, the preachers I heard years ago said, well, it just depends on if you want gross blessing or just net blessing. It's kind of up to you. Uh, that was a joke, but uh, you got it. I mean, you know, that's between you and God, okay? I'm, I, you know, you'll answer to God, I'll answer to God. You know, that you can take care of it. But here's the deal. You ought to be given 10%. But here's the thing, is even when you are giving 10%, sometimes God has you walk across in front, and he says, dump. And I'm sure that if, if we knew that widow's story, I'm sure that there were times she maybe had those two leptas that were left over from the sale of her bakery goods, and she put one in. But that day, and I'll bet probably many days, she put both in. Maybe there were days she got five extra leptas because someone was extra generous in buying her loaf of bread. Maybe she put four in. Maybe she put all five in. Maybe she didn't put any in. Maybe on those days, God didn't move. Now, she was given her 10%, but on, when it came to that free will above and beyond, she was doing as God wanted her to do. And you know what? Sometimes God wants you to do that. Sometimes God wants me to do that. Pretty tough to say, well, I'm not even doing the 10%. Well, you need to get there. Just be honest. Just shooting straight with you. But even those of you that are there, let me challenge you. Sometimes God's saying, you know what? You got plenty, and I want you to give more. I want you, I want, I want you to do that for that missionary. I want you to do that for that project. I want you to do that for that agency. I want you to do that for that church. Sometimes God calls us to give more. When Jesus was showing his disciples, here's what free will giving looks like. Here, here's the pattern now from, going up, from starting this Friday and going forward. I want you to give as this woman gives. You're not giving for show. You're not just giving out of your surplus. Remember, it emphasizes that in verse 4. You're giving... As God is moving in your hearts. And sometimes he says, put it all in. And sometimes he says, put one in. Sometimes he says, you're good. But there is a sensitivity that is supposed to be in my heart. 
and a sensitivity that is supposed to be in your heart where I'm looking for how God wants to use me to meet needs, whether it's with my time or my talent or my treasure. You know something else that I think you get out of all of this? And you actually get it from all of of Scripture. It's all God's money. I think that's something else that, that, you know, when we sit and think about this 10% and it's required, it's like, got got God paid. Now I can do what I want with this 90%. That is actually not the case. It's all God's. It's all God's. And in reality, we, if we were to take the time, we could go to a lot of passages of Scripture that, that make it very clear that I'm as responsible to God for the 90% that I keep as I am for the 10% that I give. I mean, there are so many things that just because I can afford that, just because I can afford to do that, doesn't necessarily mean I should do it. It might be that I really want to do that. I, I've dreamed of doing that. That's on my bucket list to do that. But when it really comes down to it, I've got God all paid up, and I got that money. And then just about got all the kids off the payroll, and I can afford that. And I got plenty of money for retirement, but I could do that. I could buy that car. I could take that trip. I could buy that house. I could buy that set, the, nice furniture. I could buy those clothes. But even that money, I'm supposed to pray about. What does God want me? Is this really what God wants me to do with these $27? Is this really what God wants me to do with this $12,000? It's all God's money. Like I said, the standard since the cross It's naive to think that it's actually lower. The standard since the cross is higher. In the Old Testament, it was real easy. Man, I got 100 lambs. I gave 10 of them away. I can do whatever I want with these 90. And that was easy for them to sit and think about. But I got God paid up. And I've heard that. I've heard that sometimes. Maybe you've said that. I know sometimes I've said it. Got God paid. Now what what do you want to do with the money? We're not paying God. It's all God's. We are a steward of God's money. The money I give and the money I keep. It's all God's money, even what you keep. Now here's here's one more thing, and and this this might blow you away a little bit, particularly coming from a, a... a high-tech, uh, or at least a person that kind of considers himself high-tech preacher. Beware of the online giving. You know what? This I, Vicky and I started giving online probably a year or two before the pandemic. Someone said, "Hey, you know, we we ought to be we ought to have that set up, and and you know, it just makes it so much easier because every month it gets drafted out. You you don't get behind, and it's consistent and." It's wonderful, and so I signed up for the online giving, and, and, and it has. It's been great. I've never missed a, a gift because the computer has a better memory than I do and has lots more discipline than I do and actually writes the check and gets it here on time. And I get an email, and Vicki gets an email because she gets a copy of the email. 
you have given X to Fellowship Bible Church. But you know, it's kind of interesting as, you know, I always thought your life was to get more simple the older you get, but maybe it's because the brain cells are sinking. My life is far more complicated today than I feel like it's almost ever been. And I've got this going and that going and all that stuff. And I'll get that email. It's like, oh, yeah, good. You know, a delete and move on. And it's like my giving, quite frankly, sometimes is like paying Swepco or paying Central Gas or paying Red River Credit Union for the car payment on Vicky's car. Or it used to be the money that would get drafted out to go to Bank Corp South for a mortgage payment or the water bill. And, and it was like just something I was doing. There was, no, there was no sacrifice in it. It was just in the budget. And I didn't even think about it. It's like, oh, great, you know, good. And, and I, I've been thinking about this for about six months, and I'm like, I don't really give. I give. I give 10%. But I don't give. There, there's nothing moving in my heart saying, oh, give. And in a way, I'm, I'm kind of robbed myself of the joy that widow had. And I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, Vicki and I have been so busy, but I want we're going to discuss this. I mean, maybe we'll reduce our giving so that every month we then do have to write a check. Or maybe we'll just keep it there and we'll just kick ourselves in the rear and say, pay attention. When you get that email, stop and think, and thank God that he's provided so much for you that you can give. And every once in a while, ask yourself, God, do you want us to give more? I don't know, but all I know is that the online giving for me has kind of made it autopilot. And you know what? I have found that when I am in autopilot, my relationship with Jesus gets a little cold. You know, I read the Bible through every year, and I've done it for probably 25 years now. And when I read the Bible on autopilot, great. I get through the Bible in 12 months. But did I really read it? No. Did it really enhance my relationship with Jesus? Mm -mm. When I'm doing anything in my relationship with Jesus, whether it's coming to church, whether it's serving, whether it's giving, whatever it is, if when I'm on autopilot and I'm just in the routine of doing it, it's like I'm robbed of that spiritual joy. I'm not telling you what to do on that front. I'm just saying beware of it. Think about it. Let me ask you, have you if, if you're in that situation, do you sit and think about it, or is it just drafted out like your electric bill or your gas bill or your car payment or your house payment or some other thing that's drafted out? Or are you really sitting and thinking, did you increase it? I mean, you've gotten raises. Did you go in and adjust and say, I want to increase the percentage? Because, you know, in reality, I'm giving far less than the 10% because my income's gone up over the last four or five years. Just food for thought. One more thing. Let God lead. You know, the scriptures are very clear about giving. 
The standard is there all the way from the very beginning all the way to the end of how much I'm supposed to give and, and how I have the opportunity to, at times, as God gives and leads, to give above and beyond. Let me just ask it. When's the last time God led and you said, I- I'm going to write a check. I'm going to get on their website and give some more because I, I just feel it in my guts that God wants me to do that. Has that happened recently? If it hadn't happened recently, I'm pretty sure it's not because God hasn't been stirring you. It's because we've not been paying attention. It's like there's a callousness. We're just so busy and we've got all these excuses to get everything done and we ignore that feeling, that inclination from God that, you know what, that's someplace. I want you to walk past and today I want you to do that. And, and, and you sit and say, if I do that, where's that going to come from? And God says, that's because I want to show you something really cool that's going to happen later today. And I'm going to give you more than enough so that you got money for tomorrow. Because the scriptures are full of how I take care of my people. Psalm 37. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. God takes care of us. But God says, I want you to follow my lead because I want this interactive relationship. Just like that lady had that day. Got a trivia question for you. What's the last thing Jesus saw at the temple? You know what the answer is? what we just saw the next verse says jesus and the disciples left and you know what by the information we have jesus never has physically been back to the temple he never went to the temple on wednesday never went to the temple on thursday never went to the temple on friday he rose from the dead on sunday and was still on earth for another 40 days but we have no information of him ever going to the temple what's the last thing jesus saw at the temple it wasn't a bunch of heretics or spiritually dead preachers wasn't a bunch of people that had their doctrine all whacked out what jesus saw was a true worshiper Someone whose heart was resonating with the Father and was doing exactly what the Father wanted with her time, her talent, and even that little bit of treasure that she had. Let me ask you, if Jesus Christ were watching you and this was the last thing he was going to see at this special place of worship, What would it be that he'd see? What would it be that he'd see if it was me? Jesus told the woman at the well that the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. 
That's what God wants out of you. That's what God wants out of me. Let's pray, okay? Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to talk about this. And Father, we, we want to do well in every aspect of our life, particularly in our relationship with you. And uh, Father, I pray that today, as we've just taken a, a hard, honest look at what your word has to say about how we give, I pray that you would have moved in our hearts that we would bring that area into more conformity with your will. I pray, Father, that all these things we've talked about, I pray, Father, that you would challenge us to really think hard about them. Lord, we do not want this area to be routine. We want to love giving to you because you loved us and gave to us. And so, Father, today I, I pray that we would follow you closely in this area. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.